This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I've come up with another crazy company idea. Ryan. And it's off the back of my, of me. <laughs> I didn't it's say It's always out the you back now of me. Just put yourself in it. No, I was always in it. It was initially this why one? you even told the story in the first place about it. Well, I haven't told what it is. I know. Tell us about it. it. My uh, idea that I want to launch I want to start a pickle company, Shira's Pickles. And how did you come up with that this morning or today when we walked in? Well, no. Oh, no. All right. What, in, what? Actually, I had already come up with the idea, but I brought it up to you all. You know, you think that I talk about everything here. I actually don't. I keep a lot to myself. And Ryan <laughs> was eating a fried pickle. And I was I, eating multiple I fried actually pickles. saw it from afar. Like, I knew from afar it was a fried pickle. I could see it. It wasn't just a fry. It was a fried pickle. Once he confirmed that, he gave me said fried pickle. Thank you very much. And I basically reveal the information that I want to start a pickle company. We literally were talking about fried pickles, producer Vanessa and I, and we said it was fried pickles and then like six minutes later you were like, so that is a fried pickle? I didn't hear the confirmation. That always happens. There's always that disconnect (laughs) where Shira's like on dial-up internet and she gets it six hours from the original start time. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited about your pickle idea. I've known you, you loved pickles for a while and I hope you and every pickle in America uh, find each other and, and uh, is there a flavor type of pickle? I don't know. I'm figuring it out. I have possibly a partner already in the business who is doing yeah. the pickle recipe. Okay. All right. Well, then, you know, this is this something. could be your and big million what? dollar Ryan, bit like this. Ryan, the, my co-founder possibly is in the community too, so she'll we'll bring her on Channel Q. All right. <laughs> we'll keep the, this story the developed. We'll keep. We'll keep. You know keep what? You updated. Clausen's pickles follows me on Twitter. And I don't know, they might be disappointed, but that one of their favorite followers is going to compete with them. So Here we go. I'm <laughs> just saying. I mean, those pickles were good, though. You got the scoop. Well, lots coming up, including uh, what's buzzing on social media, parasocial relationships, what they are and why they are unhealthy. Plus, Bethany Frankel continues to stir the problematic pot, which she said on her latest podcast in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some 
What's Trending This Hour. Just this past Friday, Texas House Speaker Dade Phelan claimed that Republicans have the votes to pass Senate Bill 3, which would force transgender students to compete in school sports in alignment with the gender listed on their original birth certificates. He told the Texas Tribune that one co-sponsor of the legislation has close to 80 co-authors on the bill, representing more than half of lawmakers seated in the chambers. He also added that the votes are there on the House floor to probably pass the legislation as it stands now. Texas just keeps on just going down that horrible hole. Now, as we approach America's debt limit and whether Congress will vote to increase it, here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We obviously wanted to do this in a bipartisan fashion, as we've talked about quite a bit in here. It's a shared responsibility. It's been done 80 times in a bipartisan manner in the past. Um, And now Leader Schumer uh, wants Democrats to be able to do it alone if Republicans refuse to help. Uh, So that's really what is being pursued at this point in time. In terms of the mechanisms of that, I'd certainly point you to Leader Schumer's office. Uh, It's also our hope that if Senator McConnell isn't going to help us avoid a default and a shutdown, at least he'll get out of the way and let Democrats do it alone so we can avoid a default. And right now that question remains. Yikes. Meanwhile, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned lawmakers that the federal government will likely run out of cash and measures by... October 18th, unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. We're going to be talking more about that in uh, around 15 minutes with the Washington Post, so stick around for that. But in the meantime, what's happening in the T-Report, Ryan? Oh, my God. Bethany Frankel is on the defense once again after she basically decided to make some transphobic comments on her podcast this week. Yay! I hate her so much. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So basically, uh, she's being slammed um, literally today for discussing how the use of pronouns is being taught to her kids in school, specifically to her 11-year-old daughter, Bryn, whom she shares with her uh, her ex-husband, Jason Hoppy. Who cares about that guy? He's also a creeper. Anyway, um, she basically told of a camp experience she heard about where, a, because it was like multiple stories happening where she was talking about the pronouns at her daughter's school. And then she um, went to like talking about Jew camp where she literally was talking about a camp experience where she would send her kids off her kid off to summer camp. That was specifically for Jews in the summer. Yeah, there is Jew camp, by the way. I went to it. Yeah. 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 I'm familiar. Um, And she basically told this experience where she heard about where, quote, a person with a penis who identified as a girl was placed in a bunk with other girls. Uh, She said the girl saw her because it's her, because it's a male anatomy, but identifying as a woman. So the other girl saw a penis. They're 19 years old. So the parents obviously weren't that happy. Um, And basically she ended up conflating gender identity and sexual identity. Um, And the conversation really was just a big snowball effect, if I'm being honest. Well, it gets on Twitter. People are dragging her. Everyone is upset. She says this, nominate me for cancellation. There are like five others before you, um, before you. So take a number. She says, listen to the podcast, then comment. I was absolutely not wrong. And I'm going to discuss this again this week. Thankfully, I have a platform to clarify what the media loves to distort. P.S. I'm not afraid of cancellation. So, um, so not afraid of charge discussions. Yeah. I mean, I listened to it. It was really long and annoying. It was wrong. She was absolutely wrong. And people were actually trying to tell her, hey, this is something you can learn. This could be a learning opportunity for you. Yeah. But instead, she was just like, well, no, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't. You can cancel me if you want to. And 
That is just turning out to be a deflection. The fear of being canceled is turning out to be a a, a deflection of actually learning something and not saying mm. stupid crap. That's your T report. I got more coming up next hour. Well said. Well, the debt ceiling um, is coming up and how the Senate's latest decisions could impact you. That's next with The Washington Post. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Republicans just blocked an effort to suspend the debt ceiling, which shows where they stand politically on the issue as the U.S. government runs out of money by October 18th. Jeff Stein is with us right now, a House economic reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me back on. So, White if, House reporter. White House. house. Oh, it's just a house. I was like, oh, the <laughs> House. You know, the House of Representatives. Got it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's no word. <laughs> now, if they're blocking this and it's coming up, what's the solution here? I don't get what they think is going to happen. Yeah, uh, Republicans have been insistent that this is Democrats' uh, responsibility to take care of the debt limit. McConnell's position, as stated at least, is that he believes the debt ceiling needs to be raised to avoid a catastrophic default that could plunge the U.S. back into an economic recession. But that since Democrats have the votes to do it, even though he believes it should be done, they should be uh, responsible for doing it. What the clear subtext here is that McConnell is trying to crowd the calendar at the same time that Democrats are trying to pass Biden's spending package and other measures. And so if McConnell can make life more difficult for Democrats by playing hardball on, on the debt limit and the potential for a default, maybe he can slow down and make it at least harder the other parts of their agenda. So it's just another day of playing politics at this point. <laughs> um, I do wonder, though, when Secretary, like Treasury Secretary Yellen says that we're basically going to run out of money uh, by October 18th. Like, what does that really mean, especially when it comes to this whole, you know, capping at the the debt limit? Like, could you break that down? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, Congress sets a debt limit, basically says that there's a maximum amount that the Treasury Department can borrow. At the same time, Congress then goes and says that under law, Treasury has to spend money on various programs. So these two things you would think would have to go together, but for some reason that I don't really understand, they do not. So Congress has told Treasury to go out and spend a certain amount of money, but at the same time said that it can't borrow more than a certain amount. And these things um, are typically resolved by just suspending the limit, suspending the, the restriction on the amount that they can borrow. That suspension ended in August, and, at, and since August, Treasury has been deploying a series of, quote, emergency measures to ensure that um, it does not default on, on its debt. But those emergency measures sort of basically shuffling money around in government accounts, that's coming to an end. They're running out of emergency measures to put, put money in different places. Um, and so as a result, what we're hearing and what we're seeing is that um, some of the obligations that Treasury is responsible to make, some of the payments that are required, it's saying as of October 18, it's not sure it's going to make those payments. We don't know exactly which those would be, but they could include, you know, Social Security payments to seniors, money for poor families and hungry kids, or, or you know, the, the uh, actual default, which would mean the U.S. would tell its bondholders, the people that buy U.S. debt, um, that it is unable to pay back um, its obligations. People know, you know, if you buy a treasury bond, you are expecting and you're entering into a contractual obligation to pay that money, to get that money back once you redeem it. That could be in doubt if they are not able to meet, meet, meet this deadline. 
They're just trying to, it seems like, get, put the Democrats in a bad spot to show that they are failing at their job, right? Did this happen under Trump? Like, did we hit this debt ceiling under Trump or just like timing wise to hit now? Yeah. And sorry for the long winded answer, but essentially uh, they suspended the debt ceiling three separate times oh, under Trump. Okay. <laughs> Trump added $8 trillion to the debt. Um, and to be clear, this debt that has to be authorized is not for new spending. It's for spending that's already, as I was mentioning, incurred by Congress. And Republicans had no problem ending their vote to mm-hmm. uh, suspend or raise the debt ceiling under Trump. So how can all of this affect the American people? Because I think a lot of people just watch what happens here or just hear about it. And they're like, well, how is this impacting me on a daily basis? Yes, it's a great question. I mean, if if the U.S. is unable to meet its payment obligations, then people who rely, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of Americans who need money from the government or who depend on it every month could miss a payment. And that could be catastrophic for poor seniors in particular who rely on monthly Social Security checks. Um, You could see a big dip in the stock market if if investors get nervous that the uh, full faith and credit of the U.S. Treasury market is not uh, fully intact or honored, even if, and this is, I think, important, even if they they avoid the the most calamitous outcome, the idea that the U.S. Treasury will not be able to fully repay its debts could result in investors demanding higher repayment rates um, for lending to the U.S. government, and that could make the cost of borrowing more expensive to U.S. taxpayers, which could mean further tax increases or spending cuts in the future. So there are a lot of real world implications here, even if it looks like political theater. Okay. And and we're going to say goodbye, but this is something that Biden can do an executive order and just push through or no? There are a lot of people who want to do, uh, who want Biden to do something called minting the coin, um, which would be they would create a trillion dollar platinum coin um, that they could essentially use to pay their debts. A lot of people the Biden administration is adamant that this is kind of ridiculous fanfic and not happening. Okay. Um, so that doesn't seem on the table. But if they do mint a tr- trillion dollar coin, a lot of people will be curious uh, where it is and whose who's name and face goes. Can, can I make one of those coins myself and it works? It's called cryptocurrency, right? Just make <laughs> your own coin. Billionaire all of a sudden. Money's that easy I'll to make. Have, yeah, I'll tell y'all and give you guys a call. Please. So, well, well, uh, Justine, thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Again, Jeff is a White House economic reporter at The Washington Post. Next up in the throwback that never ends, President Trump wants Texas to audit the 2020 election. So will it all happen? What's the point? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What was seemingly out of nowhere, it seems former President Donald Trump is demanding an audit of the 2020 election from Texas. Yes, it's continuing. Meredith McGraw joins us right now, a White House reporter for Politico. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. So Trump won Texas by six percentage points, over 600,000 votes in the 2020 election. So why does he want the results audited? What's going on? Well, according to his aides, he wants to have this audit because he uh, wants to make sure that his supporters and Americans know that the 2020 election was done in a um, in the, the best way. But, you know, there's a huge political motivation here. The former president has been continuing to undermine the results of the 2020 election. And, uh, you know, he's, he's continued to say falsely that uh, the, the election was rigged from him, was stolen from him. And so this is just 
uh, the latest here with this letter that he wrote to Governor Abbott. It was demanding that Texas hold an audit, even though, as you said, he won the state by six percentage points um, handily, 600,000 votes. Um, that's not exactly um, a, a tight margin. I mean, if Trump is trying to plan on, like, running again or reminding people about his election so it could, like, benefit him, wouldn't it do the opposite because it's just creating more, um, you know, a lack of trust for the voting process, which means Republicans will never vote again? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's that's a really good point. I mean, in the most recent polling that we've seen, uh, a lot of Republicans don't feel like this past election— was fairly held. They don't feel like uh, President Biden is the actual elected president. And so what they're really doing here is undermining trust in American democracy in the election process, while at the same time trying to say that uh, they're trying to ensure that elections in the future aren't rigged. Well, this started months ago or just recently. Why are we hearing about this just now? Well, this past Thursday, uh, former President Trump wrote this long, many-paragraph letter to Governor Abbott. It was an open letter. It was sent to journalists. It was posted online where he said that uh, Governor Abbott and the state of Texas should pass uh, a um, forensic audit of the have a forensic audit of the 2020 election, excuse me, and pass HB 16, a bill that was recently filed in the third special session of the Texas legislature, which would allow for a kind of Arizona-style audit that we saw take place last week. So what's interesting about the timing of this, though, is he sent it on Thursday, and then just hours later, uh, the Secretary of State's office in Texas announced that they were going to be doing four audits in four counties, three of which Biden won, one of which Trump won. Uh, They're two majority Democrat, two majority Republican counties. And what I was told, though, was that the governor's office was completely taken off guard by Trump's letter and quickly scrambled to figure out a way to answer his letter without uh, disrupting the special uh, session down there in Texas. Uh, And finally, who pays for this? And how much does it cost? Well, the Secretary of State's office said that They believe that the state legislature would pay for this. But of course, you know, this all brings up questions about is this a good use of taxpayer money? Um, The the audit that happened in Arizona costs tons of money. And there's already objections being raised to whether or not this is necessary. And local officials in those counties have said that even though Governor Abbott and the Secretary of State's office said that these audits have been already underway for months, that this isn't anything new. This is all brand new to them. They only have learned about it after the Secretary of State's office put out a press release last night. The timing doesn't exactly add up. Wow. All right. Well, that was Meredith McGraw, White House reporter for Politico. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, a new campaign is urging companies to stop ghosting job candidates. Wouldn't that be good? But will it work? That's next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A recruitment firm has launched a campaign encouraging companies to stop ghosting job applicants. I mean, this is what happens. There's a lot of applicants. How is someone supposed to get back to everyone? That's the reality, unfortunately. Not to say it's the right thing to do. Yeah, because you'll get like 400 like applications and you're just like, oh my God, this is so much. I got to find the right person. And being honest, I've seen like, um, like I remember my first job out here. My boss was like hiring for another position and she literally grabbed like the first six emails she had. And I'm just like, that's it? That's all you're going to do? And you just going to pick it out of there because you don't want to pick anything else? Yeah. Granted, that's a bad example. She was one of my favorite bosses that I've ever had. She just was flawed. Because that we sucks. All? That was a sucky but, I mean, it's, thing it, to do. Someone, it's easy to cut corners in that way when you're just like, you have a lot of work to do. And you, and as long as those people are good, the first six are good. The first six aren't. But there but are a lot then, of people yeah. out there. Listen, there's a lot of great folks out there. But that's why people say it's like, Everything's relied on luck, it, like the luck of it all. Luck of the draw. If you are that first six, there you go. It just depends on when you're sending your email and they're checking Totally. It. Well, data is also suggesting that both employees and employers are ghosting each other more than normal during the pandemic, which I find fascinating. So they're having uh, this campaign, end-ghosting.com, and they're basically trying to make it so that people don't ghost each other during the hiring process, which... I find really important and interesting. Interesting. I just don't know how you do, you respond to everyone. The website is inviting companies to sign a pledge acknowledging that they may have ghosted people in the past, but will take steps to avoid doing so in the future. I mean, these companies aren't doing that. And also sometimes it's like applicants sometimes don't even have a chance because if they find, like if a person decides, like a manager asks their friends or close people around them, their network being like, oh, do you know anyone? Then they're not looking at applications. They're going with the person that they, that was recommended. And so it's kind of, it's one of those things where there's always going to be a way that these people can go around, you know, and still ghost the applicants that are applying, which sucks. So... In the end, you, like, what would not ghosting mean? Would it mean that you send in an application, you get a confirmation back, which would probably be from a, a bot or yeah. something anyway? Right. And then, basically, if we want you, we want you. Peace. Like, no, how much more I need do a, you do? I, I need also, I think what you should be doing is you apply, you get a confirmation that you got it, and you either the next email you either get is we want you for an interview 
or thank you so much. We're going to the next person. Well, yeah, like we already went through this stage. You didn't so make it to I the stage. So I can know that yeah. I can move on instead of waiting around to hear about that. But if you are looking for a job, you should be applying for multiple jobs and and depending on if you're getting that. But I, I do think it's, you know, these corporations' jobs to do their diligent, due diligence of like trying to find the best candidate. Yes, just of course. Being lazy, it's kind of like, who hired you? How'd you get your job for being crappy? Which, honestly, most of the time, people fail upwards. You know what? There is a talent in that. It's really right is. on your resume. Uh, I, I make it work. It really I'm I'm win at failing. People fail up. Like <laughs> I feel like that's just this industry out here specifically. Like there's so many people that I just witness failing upward. I'm just like, wow. How does that happen? That's which and is that, why I don't believe in cancel culture. But then on the other side of it, Ryan, there's a lot of people that work their butts off, and that they're seeing the results. Of course, there is. I think because they're successful people. <laughs> what was was that like your powerful moment of the day? <laughs> I think there's a bit of everything in life. Listen, there's a rhyme or reason, and then sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. So, do you think this uh, anti-ghosting campaign will work? Let us know at LGT Show on social media. It's kind of like relationships. In the end, actions speak larger or louder than words. <laughs> I can barely say that. Next up, the U.S. Census has released data from its first ever survey of LGBTQ people. We bring you the results next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yeah, we're back. Hope you're enjoying some great music here on Channel Q. And we've got lots coming up, including we're going to be talking about how social media, it's not just about trolling, how it's supporting LGBTQ youth. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, Caitlyn Jenner on The View. Yes, it happened. And everything she had to say in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The U.S. Census Bureau's first ever survey on LGBTQ Americans has revealed that they've been hit especially hard by economic troubles during the pandemic. The Bureau has been conducting surveys like this one for over 80 years, but this is the first one to ask about respondents' sexual orientation and gender identity. So just some of those highlights slash lowlights. Analysis of the data found that roughly 23% of the total LGBTQ population, 32% of trans people lost their jobs in the month before the survey was conducted. And if you compare that to non-LGBTQ people, they're at 15 to 16%. So that's a huge difference. Plus, roughly 12% of LGBTQ respondents and 24% of trans respondents said they sometimes or often didn't have enough to eat. The figure was between 6 and 7% for non-LGBTQ people. And uh, finally, Ford Motor and battery supplier SK Innovation are planning to invest more than $11.4 billion in new U.S. facilities that will create nearly 11,000 jobs to produce electric vehicles and batteries. This is going to happen in Tennessee and Kentucky. So that's really big for those states. It's coming as President Biden is pushing for companies to onshore supply chains. There has been a global shortage of semiconductor chips that has disrupted several industries, including automotive. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so The View. Y'all know. I love that show. Yeah, no. They're trying out new conservative co-hosts, and unfortunately, they decided Caitlyn Jenner was going to be a good one because she was on, and I think she's going to be on as this week's guest co-host. Oh. Yeah, not good. Uh, It's time for the T-Report, the pop culture stories trending right now. 
Now, of course, fans were not happy with the news to see her sitting behind the table. And honestly, seeing some of the clips, it was kind of painful. Caitlyn is not meant to be there. But here she is talking about something. <laughs> Would I run again? Yes. Uh, I want to stay involved. I, it really opened my eyes to political life. Mm. Um, it opened my eyes. But there's other things that I would like to do. And that is one is try to get the Republican Party to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've always been on the Republican side because mm-hmm. I have conservative economic values. They've always worked. Less government, less regulations. You know, yeah. uh, government's not going to fix especially in California, it's not going to fix our economic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the people will if you let them go. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, you uh, was, but uh, socially, I'm much more progressive and people, yeah. Were you as taken um, as you were by the immigration problem? Were you as taken uh, uh, with the Capital Six insurrection? Did that bother you too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't right. It was, obviously, it wasn't right. And mm-hmm. we can't have that in our no. country. That's right. uh, we need to bring people together is yeah. what we need to do. We have a tendency in this country to put everybody in a box. Okay, my gosh, you're a Republican, so you must think this way, you must be this way. That's not me. I'm outside the box, okay? I am, you know, and the Republican <laughs> Party needs to change. And, and to be honest with you, I am the poster child for change. Okay, I really only wanted one part of Which this. Is what? Which one? They asked her if she would run again, and she said, yes, she would. Oh. Did it play? That was a long-ass clip, so I missed it. Either way, Caitlin sounds like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Womp, 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 womp. No one cares. That's your team report, however. Um, I have other things I'm going to talk about. Very, that is actually celebrity-related. Coming up next hour. Okay. That was interesting. <laughs> was it? Uh, I don't mean. Every time she speaks, it's like... Okay, this is happening. Well, next up, how your busyness can impact the person you live with. This might be why you're always going to live alone, Ryan. And that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you notice that as you get busier, it's harder and harder to do your chores? Does this happen to you? You mean just as... Just live life. I don't even think it's, it's just busier. It's just, uh, yeah, if you're just becoming more of an adult, it's harder and harder to do your chores. So here's the thing. Imagine living with someone else and you would think because you're a partnership, right? Like it means you split it up. You have another person. However, a lot of times you, there can be one person in the partnership slash the relationship who is busier and then all the chores end up on one person. And then it becomes like you're not just taking care of one person. You're taking care of multiple people, including if you have a family. And actually, this is something that came up in this Washington Post advice column, and it caught our attention because this woman is uh, married to this guy. She was actually the breadwinner for a bunch of time, but she was also always the person to take care of the household. Now he's working full time and he expects her to do everything. I mean, that sounds like the patriarchy and misogyny, if I'm I'm being honest, Um, because, yeah, I... Here's the thing. I think if you ha- if you're in a partnership and y'all are two ad- like clearly two adults and y'all are living together, blah blah blah, everything should kind of be fifty fifty. No matter how busy someone is, do like they should be able to do what they're doing, whether that be just taking out the trash, or washing the dishes, putting the dishwasher on. It's small little things that takes about two seconds to do, and then the other person can do like the laundry and things like that. Where you have it's a partnership. That's what a partner is. It shouldn't just be on one person. No matter if you're in a hetero relationship or a same-sex relationship. It doesn't matter. So here's the thing with me and, I guess, my experience from my recent relationship. 
Um, in the past, I feel like my different partners, we've taken on different responsibilities that we feel we're naturally attuned to. And it, it's kind of all just happened. This partnership feels like we're being very communicative about what needs to be done. And either it's obvious who can do it, but a lot of times you can't assume. Like you sometimes just need to sit someone down and be like, okay, let's talk about both of our schedules, what we feel comfortable doing and like what needs to be done. Yeah. And be clear, kind of like a, a team, like a, a like if you were going to be at work and you would divvy up the responsibilities amongst your team. Right, right. I agree and, with that. and recently, you know, my partner was really busy with the job. And he had been that person at the beginning of our relationship also, I feel like, to sucker me in, where he was taking on a lot of the responsibilities. Like, he was the one who he loved cleaning. I mean, I was cooking a bit more, but he was just very organized in that way. What I noticed is his life started really falling apart when he got really busy. And so he didn't even have to ask me. I started just realizing, like, no one's going to do this stuff. And I, st- I started feeling bad for him. So I'd go to his place. And were like, you feeling bad for him or were you disgusted by all the dishes and everything that's just, <laughs> I was like, what your is house going just on? starts You're to like, smell. There's mold everywhere on your dishes since the last time I was here. So I just started, yeah, doing the dishes room, cleaning up when I was there, cooking, like... What I did you say there was mold on your dishes? You need to throw those away. No, you put it in the. No, you throw. You need to no, throw. Get rid of those no, immediately. You never had mold in your car. Co- like if no. you ever cup out for like sorry. a week. That's just not something that I would do. And if it was, I'm throwing it away immediately. I'm not. Wa- See, that's why you can't eat at everybody's house. Dishes in the dishwasher you for a week. Cannot eat at everybody's house. Now I'm gonna be side eyeing no. every dish every time I go over Cher's <laughs> house because I'm all, I'm like she got mold dishes. <laughs> But, you know, and and that made me realize, like, I appreciate, he notices when I'm busy and he'll clean my room for me when I'm busy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important to to step it up for each other when you see each other, you're each busy. However, yeah, if one person is kind of, quote unquote, busier, which I hate saying that because everyone has their own busyness, right? Right. It's like, how do you say who's more busy? But meaning on deadlines has a lot of outside responsibilities. Well, I think, yeah, if if someone has outside responsibilities or whatever work is just happening to them all at once then yeah you as a partner you should see where your other partner is like you know struggling at and wanting to swoop in and help in that way because like we said that's a partnership and that's what is needed for me you know being miss single and don't have like a living like you know or like a maid or anything or uh, not a maid or housekeeping or anything you like that get a housekeeper no, that's intense, and I ain't wasting money on that stuff. Um, I I just think I I'm always about cleaning my apartment. Like I love like really great candles everywhere. I don't like it when my kitchen's a mess. Like I I I need my apartment to you know look nice. But I often you know sometimes it's a busy week and clothes are everywhere. I got clothes all over my floor in my room, and I'll wake up or like I'll fix it but laundry for me is the big thing that takes me a minute to do like I'll I'll be like oh my god I got like seven piles of laundry that I have to do and I still have so many other clothes that I can wear because I mean I'm not like what I got a lot you? of clothes you know what's the worst it's not just the laundry for me it's once the laundry is done I'll oh, leave no, clean. I enjoy that. No, I'll end up having clean clothes that I take out of the dryer. I'm like, I don't have time to fold it. It'll end up on my floor. What do you mean you don't have time to fold? You just fold it right there. Put on a good show to watch, and then just fold it. That's literally what I do. Yeah, but then it's and not I once I when fold it's hot it and warm. Ooh. But once I fold it, then it's like putting it away. So there's three steps. Yeah. yeah. It's sometimes it's like too long for. Well, me. That's how we get mold on our dishes, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
You know, if anyone has some solutions for, uh, you know, the possible ADD people out there who have to do adult responsibilities, let me know. Yeah. Because yeah, I need to be in like the right mindset to do it, all that. I've Yesterday, I had a bunch of, I got home, um, back from, you know, being out of town. All my clothes were still out. That's the worst when you get back from a vacation. You still have all the stuff in your room, like out and everywhere. Yeah. And my boyfriend last night just said, take 10 things and put them away. Just 10 things. And then every day, just take maybe a few more things and put them away. I'm just trying to figure out, are we in a relationship with a child here? Like, I'm not telling a grown person to put 10 things away. If you don't get your ass together and, and get that stuff off the floor... Oh my God! Maybe this is why I'm not. I shouldn't be in a relationship. Maybe SOS. A bossy. Pants. SOS. No, I want someone who's clean. Good luck, Just someone like you. Date yourself, Ryan. Next Actually, up. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I, it's me, myself, and I. That's all I got to the end. Okay, we've got more coming up on the show. How social media is supporting LGBTQ youth when in-person communities are lacking. That is next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. When you think about social media in today's youth, including the LGBTQ community, it could be both alienating. I mean, there are so many trolls out there, but also very welcoming depending on where you're at. You have personal experience, huh? From a lot of the people (laughs) we've spoken to. No, I just like to troll. No, but it's great. You're trolling me. (laughs) Damn. You know, I had to bring the internet in real life. No, but it's it's very true. I think a lot of times social media gets can get a really bad rap, you know? And it's I think it's also very valid in that because there are some negative dark sides to the internet and we've seen that play out. But community, oh my god, my internet friends are the best people ever. Do you did you have that when you were younger or is it more recent? Yes, I did. I had it when I was on Tumblr. Um, which was a really good community. I mean, honestly, the people that I made friends with that I'm still friends with, like that we follow each other on Twitter and we've been friends for like, what, like 12 years online were people that I met through community on Twitter. I mean, Tumblr. And Mm. it brought us together. We followed each other and we communicated through messages and we were just like, and we're still friends. I remember when video chatting was like the first big thing and um, we all video chatted. Like, it, the internet does bring people together. As much as we like to hate on it. Well, Dr. Linda Sharmaraman is with us, the founder and director of the Youth Media and Wellbeing Research Lab at the Wellesley Centers for Women, Wellesley College. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So... I guess let's talk about the work that you all are doing because you're really looking at how social media can give support to LGBTQ youth when in-person communities are lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to make a comment on what you just mentioned about Tumblr because in my current research of middle school youth, 10 to 16 of over 1,000 children, uh, we were wondering uh, what are the sites that they're going to to maybe explore their identities. And, and Tumblr was something that has always been sort of on the radar of um, people coming out and it being very gay friendly, you know, back, you know, 10 years ago. And a lot of people think that it's 
that it's actually maybe, you know, passe and, and it's not a thing anymore. And we were surprised to think, uh, to find like in 2020 that Tumblr was still one of the, the most um, sought after uh, sites for for queer youth, you know, trying to figure out their identities. Oh, so yeah. I just to, to give a shout out. Oh, no, that's awesome. That's really cool because, I mean, I mean, it's really good to know that that platform is still creating uh, relationships and opportunities for people to connect because that's genuinely what it was for me. And that was, mm-hmm. I mean, probably like, yeah, about 10 years ago for me as well. And so um, it really does mean something, you know, social media does. It does. It could. I mean, I mean, of course, we have those the stories for, you know, for decades that you know, um, you know, people who are queer and people who are are not um, hetero are usually bullied more in person and online. And and I I guess my my um, piece in the conversation is is trying to show showcase a, a slightly different um, visual landscape because in my in my recent um, study of over a thousand kids in 2020. Um, we looked at, you know, urban and suburban kids in the Northeast, which is kind of a progressive area of the, of the country. And there was really no difference between the cyberbullying um, that was happening between straight versus, you know, queer youth. Um, however, um, there were there was a, definitely a, a pattern of these youth who are really, really young. I mean, these are like people that are 10 to 16. You know, some of them are, you know, just thinking about these things for the first time. They don't know who to talk to. And, and we were finding that um, only 30, like 39% of, of the people who are, who are not hetero identified um, had nobody to talk to. Um, however, people who, who wanted to engage with pe- others, you know, to talk about their experiences and their explorations, their identity development, they found online spaces to be the places to go to, to explore. Not necessarily their friends, their online friends. Um, although the, some of them are, are um, a lot easier to talk to online versus offline. <laughs> um, and so there were special, unique communities. Like you were saying earlier, the, the, the term community is a huge thing, a whole other world that's geographically unrestricted for these youth who may not have access to that, you know, in offline spaces. Definitely. I mean, but the the numbers are pretty scary. And you wrote this in your piece in the conversation.com. LGBT youth are almost three times more likely to be harassed online than their straight cisgender peers. So I guess after this, we want to talk about what's being done to help and change that. So stick around for more of that conversation next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're talking about safe spaces in social media for LGBTQ youth. And back with us is Dr. Linda Charmaraman, who's the founder and director of the Youth Media and Wellbeing Research Lab at the Wellesley Centers for Women at Wellesley College. Thank you so much again for being with us today for this. Absolutely. So we've talked about the statistics, which are not very good, including the fact that a lot of uh, the harassment that happens online against LGBTQ youth leads to depression, suicidal thoughts as a direct result of cyberbullying. So what is being done to solve this? Well, one thing to to note is that if if LGBTQ youth knew who to talk to about these uh, about these difficulties and these struggles, if they if they had family members who um, that they can even find an extended family member, maybe it's not a um, nuclear family member um, that they feel comfortable with. And as as you know, there's a lot of 
um, families in which, because of political, religious, you know, um, backgrounds, uh, it's not safe to come out um, to them in particular. But uh, there's extended family members that could could be that that you know family liaison that could help um, with the youth, you know, reach out um, to the communities to to find that safe space. Um, there's also um, your your you know in school counselors that there's a lot more training that's happening um, nowadays, um, especially in 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 um, the urban and suburban um, cities and towns. You know the Gay Street Alliances. There's there's clubs and organizations that could could be that that lending ear for when you feel hopeless or lonely and think you're the only one experiencing this. Oh my God! I, I as I've been watching, you know, I feel like when we're seeing more queer representation through television or film, and you see these like alliances, I'm like, oh my God! I wish I would have experienced that in in right? high school or had that in high school. Um, but I, uh-huh. I I think there's such necessary conversations, especially with Facebook recently it being revealed that you know they knew that their platforms were harmful for young teen girls, and oftentimes they forget how intersectional that can be for queer folks as mm-hmm. well. What's the responsibility uh, for social media platforms to make sure that they're continuing to create a safe environment? Well, I think one one important um, part of their job is to really determine who are their users, because some users are not um, old enough to be on their platform. For instance, they're supposed to be 13 minimum um, with um, or else need parental um, permission, and most most young people uh, under 13, um, um, about 70-something percent, at least in my sample of, of youth, are using social media on, under the age of, the, the legal age of 13. And so I think the, the social media platforms um, need to take that into account um, when they're delivering their their ad-based um, product, you know, you know, marketing, you know, uh, um, strategies, and that these these you know the messages are indirect and directly affecting um, young girls, especially in terms of the ideal body image, and um, and that could be really detrimental. Uh, and just as we wrap this, your overall sentiment, though, around this is that social media is a positive, as you saw from your studies for LGBTQ youth. Where are they finding that positivity? What are they on different platforms that we don't know about or communities? There are um, there's a whole universe and sub universe of, of communities that want to that are looking for new members to, in order for them to share experiences that they can't um, share very easily with people offline. You know, like for instance, there are support networks and support groups for people with disabilities and or or illnesses or um, life experiences. You know, um, you know addictions and things like that in which there's a lot of stigma perhaps in, in attending those things or reaching out in those communities offline, but online you could, you can be who you want to be. You can share parts of yourself that you feel comfortable sharing and, and you can get that support you, 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 you require without having to out yourself in whatever way that might be um, um, to all parts, all your friends and family, because you might not be ready for it. Definitely. Well, thank you again uh, for being here and for sharing the work that you're up to. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Again, that was Dr. Linda Sharmaraman from Wellesley College. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. <laughs> We've got lots coming up for you on this Tuesday show. News about the Britney Spears documentary. 
We got some scoop in the T-Report in a moment, moment, plus why parasocial relationships are all the buzz in social media, that it's in 15 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. This is a power move. The ACLU of Indiana is suing a high school they say blocked an LGBTQ student group from privileges that other clubs at the school enjoy, like publicizing their meetings or raising funds on school property. Students at Pendleton Heights High School in central Indiana say they tried to restart their GSA this past year, a club that is meant to create a safe space for LGBTQ students to socialize, find emotional support. But the principal didn't let them uh, do it and make it an official club. The same high school actually banned teachers from displaying pride flags earlier this year. And so guess what? That school is being sued now. That's basically it. But yeah, they are stepping up. And hopefully something changes because, yeah, that's wrong. Now, Greta Thunberg spoke at the Youth for Climate Summit in Milan, Italy on uh, today, actually. It always says like on Tuesday, like what day are we in right now? The young activist took to the stage to criticize the all talk, no action approach that most world leaders have taken on climate change. Blah, 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 blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, blah, blah. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green economy, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 25, 2050, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Greta Thunberg. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. Words. Words that sound great, but so far has led to no action. Yes, say it. Okay. I'm kind of liking her as she gets older. You always liked her. What do you mean? I'm I'm liking her even more. She's getting better with age, even though what age? How old is she? She's still like a child. But good on her for saying that, saying what needs to be said. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree as well. Like, I don't know. Biden is um, Biden's doing some stuff, huh? And I, I, I normally agree with her, but, you know, I also normally am like, girl, stop. So here's the thing. A There's a lot of work to do. Yeah, we are in a really bad place. Let's be clear. However, things ha- are changing. Biden, um, you know, they just announced, Ford announced the fact that they're going to be launching all these electric factories. Who has a Ford? 11, or is it Ford? GM? I'm I don't know. Back. I, just... I just talked about it. Ford Motor. That's it. Ford yeah. Motor. Uh, this, that's going to be huge. And th- he did say that we are going electric by this year. So that is a big deal. I, don't, I won't have an electric car by the end of this year. So what does that really mean? Not the end of this year. By like 20. I'm not going to have an electric car by, I mean, 20. fingers crossed, I would love a Tesla. Okay, manifest it. <laughs> yeah, I would. So it's happening. It's, Even it's a Elon bit... Musk doesn't need any more money. There you go. We need uh, another option. But it is a bit too little too late. We're, we're already in a place where we've put ourselves in a really bad situation. So, but it, it takes a lot to move a, a ship, a very big ship that's going in a certain direction. Uh, And finally, Pfizer and BioNTech said they have submitted initial data to the FDA from their vaccine trial on children between 5 and 11 years old. The drug maker said their trial, which included almost 
3,000 participants from that age group yielded positive top-line results. The company said their coronavirus vaccine has demonstrated a favorable safety profile among young participants and, quote, elicited robust neutralizing antibody responses using a two-dose regimen. So the vaccine is coming for kids 5 to 11. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, wow. The wildest revelations that are being made in the new Britney Spears doc that is coming to Netflix. It is time for the tea reports, those pop culture stories trending right now. So let's talk about it because there's been a lot of stuff that's going on. I mean, there's a New York Times one that's on Hulu right now that made some allegations about there being hidden um, like cameras or uh, like our microphones in her room and she didn't know. Um, apparently that's been happening and the, the, you know, Jamie and the conservatorship people who's over it were trying to get rid of that evidence, but the evidence is there. And, and so the Britney's lawyer is doing some investigative work to find out more about that. But Netflix's new big documentary that is, fo- um, you know, following up all the other ones. Here's some of the, the big things that are kind of coming from it, Right. So, um, dementia. It says, basically, the filmmakers are explaining when you file a conservatorship, part of the paperwork involves checking off a reason that the person is unable to manage their own life. The paperwork for Britney Spears' conservatorship checks off, quote, orders related to dementia placement. So they basically tried to say that she had dementia, which is highly unusual for cases involving young people. Um, um, Now, the other one... Uh Uh-huh. I know, I just said a lot. Dementia. They think she had dementia, which sounds sketchy. That sounds sketchy. Like, she does I, it. She's too young. She could have had, though, manic episodes. But we yeah. don't know that. We're not going to Yeah, gonna I'm not making it. Some, uh, yeah. So the next one so. is evaluation from a geriatric uh, psychiatrist. Basically, as they probe the documents of the case, the filmmakers revealed that the doctor who signed off on Britney's alleged condition, Dr. J. Edward Spar, is a geriatric psychiatrist. Britney was hardly ever elderly. She was 27 in 2008. Um, Further within two months of this report proclaiming that Britney suffered from dementia, she was back to work filming a guest appearance in an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Quote, how is someone who was that ill well enough to go to work? So they're over there finding out that people, like the the pieces ain't puzzling or the pieces ain't coming together like they were. Maybe the pieces are coming together in the puzzle of this whole case. Because whatever this is, it seems like the way they were able to do this conservatorship were basically saying that she was, you know, they were making up things to keep her she was older or something like that, yeah. A geriatric psychiatrist. Which is only meant for old people. Which is apparently that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, Hmm. there's so much more. Britney's chosen lawyer was taken away from her. Um, The documentary explains how Adam Streisand was removed from her conservative uh, case. He suggests that it's better to have an independent professional um, as a conservator rather than a family member. That's what he was going to advocate for for Brittany. Um, and then, of course, they really break down how conservatorships are not usually like this. One lawyer explains that to get a conservatorship, you have to be able to uh, be unable to meet your needs for food, clothing, health, and shelter. Um, but apparently, you know, Brittany was working a lot during that time, and which clearly meant she could do what she needed to do. This is a mess. It is. I mean, there's so many other documentaries coming out, which sucks because Britney is not enjoying that, apparently. Um, 
But I don't know. The more information that comes out, the more light that puts this on this. And maybe it'll help her get out of this whole thing. Yeah. That's your tea report, though. I got more coming up next hour. All right. Well, what are parasocial relationships and why they're unhealthy? We dive in next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Parasocial relationships are all the buzz on social media. But what does it entail, and could you be in one? Joining us right now is Audrey Hope, who's an addiction therapist. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Great topic. Yes. Great topic. I know. It sounds like it's part of like some sort of supernatural horror movie. Right. <laughs> yes, and I just want to say um, to all your listeners, how are you doing? Are you all surviving? It, it's been a lot. You know. Yes. So you know, the internet has kind of saved us in a way. Well, it has, and it's also part of our demise. But yeah, so parasocial <laughs> relationships. What does it mean? Well, it means that um, it was coined in 1956 to describe a psychological relationship between an audience and the media. And, you know, we've been doing it since the beginning of time. You know, we always had role models. You know, it used to be news anchors. They were studying news anchors in 1956, but now it's been celebrities. So um, role models have been something in our lives, you know, and um, is it a good thing? Yes, it is, because it helps and inspires us, and we need that in this time period. It's been a lot that we're going through, and um, I say that unusual times call for unusual remedies. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. I think um, the the interesting thing about the Internet, especially because I'm on Twitter a lot and Instagram, and it's developed into what we know now as stan culture. And oftentimes it, it, it feels like fans of celebrities feel like they own a person's autonomy. They own their body. They own their being, right? Unfortunately, right? And I think that's why celebrities get overwhelmed by often sharing their story or sharing personal bits about themselves because yes. people automatically think that they are their friends are attached to them in some way so how do we you know navigate that because that seems like a really difficult part of time that we're in on the internet when it's kind of like fans kind of are going across well you know, isn't across that about like balance like you know we can there's always a good and bad of everything and then taking it too far yeah and, you know, and then aren't there problems that we come to anyway, like using drugs, using the Internet for a replacement, a distraction yeah. for our real problems with relationships? And that's always dangerous. So, um, you know, we don't want to take it too far, and, and that's what the problem is. But if you look at anything, you know, we, we have to be careful of that balance, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And some people are really disturbed anyway, and they have issues that they haven't worked out. So, you know, it's just showing itself as a parasocial. Mm-hmm. You understand, but it's there anyway. I guess I don't so, understand, because I'm trying to figure out what the positives of this is. The positives are what got you through the, you know, COVID, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been, you know, I, I'm working with people. I'm out in the field. I'm hearing the suffering. You know, um, there's like this thing, the caveman syndrome, being in the house, getting out of your sweatpants, you know, getting back into life. People are really traumatized. There is mass psychosis going on. And so 
We need connection, right? Connection. And so we're going to get there. We're going to get out of this. And so many people, when I work with them, they tell me some good things about what they learned through this time period. It's like the world stopped, and they had to go home and reevaluate. So many people changed careers. So many people got divorced, and they needed to. I mean, it, there's been a lot of, like, amazing things that have happened. I want to keep it real and positive. Of course. And I would say, like, what, ha- what has happened to you in this time period, how are you different? You know, and 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 aren't things um, more precious in this time period? Yeah, you know, don't we don't we value things more? Uh, Audrey, I have a quick question because you are an addiction spe- uh, specialist and therapist. Yes, I guess what if someone is listening and they go, "Yeah, I'm inspired by someone. I follow someone, but it's starting to get the line is crossed where I'm getting obsessed. I'm a fan. I'm I'm." refreshing the Instagram, Twitter feed all the time. I'm trying to slide into their DMs and message them. What is that line where it gets into obsessive, delusional behavior and like what should someone do if they or someone else they know, it feels like it's getting into uh, more of an unhealthy attachment. Well, that's true and that's an addiction, right? Why do you need to do that? That's the question. What are you distracting from your own life? What is this replacing? And why are you afraid of a real relationship? You see, you've got to ask yourself, like, these questions, and you've got you to stop, and then you've got to go get help if it becomes too, too much. But we love distraction, don't we? We love to run and to hide from our real problems, and that is what what it, what any drug or alcohol is about, right? And when I work with people, I've been doing this for 20 years, we got to get to the root of the root of it. So it could be an addiction with alcohol, drugs, or media. It's all the same. It really is. It's like, what are you running from? Okay, so... I mean, that that's true. And hopefully get a therapist if you can't answer those questions. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop. You got to stop it like as if it was an alcohol addiction and go get some help. You know, why you why do you have to focus on other people? You know, you got to like look at the time you're spending on these apps and yeah. stuff. You know, you got to really really look at that. So I'm guessing from what I feel like I'm understanding is that there's a negative and a positive to having like kind of like a parasocial relationship with someone that you don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just that there, there's a positive and negative of what we've all lived through, you know, in the last two years with COVID. Okay. It has really affected us. Well, Audrey Hope, thank you so much for giving us I guess, this cheesy hope, right? And, and showing us all the sides of this. Audrey Hope is an addiction therapist and something to look at. You might be in a parasocial relationship. So get offline and actually maybe find yourself in a real relationship. That is a two-way street, not a one-way street. Thank you again for being with us. Thank you so much. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Choking is a new term that is popping up. In a viral video, it reveals what Mormon teens are doing to get around the no-sex rule. This is strange. I'm like, is this is this okay to even talk about on air? Well, should um, we have had that discussion before deciding to it's, do It's um, penetration without, you know, the, the thrusting. It's an act known as soaking. And actually, this is being shared Wait, everywhere on social penetra- media. Like penetration, what? Without thrusting. Oh, so it's just sitting there. So, okay. Here we go. Okay, all right, all I right. I feel like I did this so when it, I was a teenager. 
<laughs> so it's uh, it's it's you know penis and whatever oh, hole just sitting there. It's just rubbing, I guess. It's just sitting there. No, because you're not you're not doing it. It's just oh, in it. Oh, you're right. It's just in it. Okay. Oh, that so is. So I did not do that when I, I was. I really hate. I really it's, hate the word soaking now. It's ha- Oh yeah. Now I. See, okay. Now that I get so it more. Gross. It's hashtag has twenty five point five million tags on TikTok. So this is. Are they showing it? Really getting out there. Oh my god. Um, wait. This is get. This gets weird, y'all. All right. Are you ready? This song is too happy for In- this nasty ass <laughs> soul. In order for the couple to benefit from soaking, a friend helps them out by bouncing on the bed next to them to get things moving or jump humping. Now, Prince Vanessa, why did you pick this story? It was a joke. Like, she was, like, making fun of, like, the Mormon community because, like, she found out that that's what her friend did. And then she, like, did a TikTok. Well, let me just jump on your bed so you feel something, girl. Oh, so okay, so that's and this. it got a, that conversation started about like what? whoa, okay, and so I this, cannot believe. Okay, that's you thank go, you guys. for explaining because that's really <laughs> interesting, right? So I think when you are a repressed religious teenager, you're always trying to figure out how to explore without breaking any rules because the the ultimate thing that you don't want to do I don't know about the Mormon religion but the ultimate thing that you don't want to do is go to hell right and you want to still if you have you know either you know people around you or your friends around you are trying to like explore you know you'll do everything but um, because you can't I mean that's like your little workaround that's what you think as a, a you know, a kid, you think you're working around it. So this trend is is making people kind of talk about their memories of them kind of being a repressed teenager. Um, I just hate it. Soaking gives me the same (laughs) feeling inside that I feel when someone says moist. I can see that. Like, honestly, I almost threw up when I just said that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah. This person who is speaking out about it says, looking back on my own days as a Mormon teenager, I don't find it shocking at all. Boys and young men were often tr- uh, trying to find workarounds like this. It's a common and negative side effect of sexually oppressing large groups of people, many of which are raised in homes with parents who believe they shouldn't even discuss sex with their children mm-hmm. because it will inevitably lead to the child becoming sexually active. It reminds me of that Family Guy episode where they were trying to have sex in the ear as a workaround. Oh, my God. Um... And, yeah, it's just hilarious. That's the only Family Guy episode I've ever seen, actually. Okay, and on that note, (laughs) that wraps up that for today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. This one goes to a six-year-old boy whose mom told him to keep his face mask on at school, and he's now going viral for following his mom's instructions exactly. He's a mama's boy. Mason Peoples is a first grade student in Las Vegas, Nevada. He wore his face mask for his school photo. The epitome of a school photo during the pandemic, right? I feel like this is going to be looked back on like in a museum in the future, like decades later. Like this is what, what it was like to go to school during this time. The photo was shared on Facebook by his mom, who wrote that her son had the option to take his mask off, but he didn't. He said, no thank you to the photographer. I always listen to my mom. She says, I'm so proud of him for sticking to his word, but I should have been more clear about my rules on this day. And he is just adorable. 
Oh my gosh, she even made an update on Facebook saying she uh, Mason and I are overjoyed and, and in awe of the outpouring of love that we received over his picture day uh, school picture. He's read so many of your comments with the biggest smile on his face. He is such a good, kind-hearted, caring, loving, smart, and helpful no. little boy. Thank you for showing him that his honesty and integrity will yes. make a big difference in this world. Aww. This person, if he's down to have a relationship in the future when he's older, he's going to be a great partner. Because I feel like he's going to be like, look at this. Do you, you think I'm a trustworthy, loyal person? Check out this story from when I was oh, a kid. Wow. And they even made like a kind of like a GoFundMe for his like college fund. Oh, And it's I raised it. over $25,000. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, congrats to this uh, young boy for doing the right thing and in you know, inspiring the adults or uh, leading by example. So right? Cute. Mason Peoples, you get our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that also does it for our show today. We're back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We're bringing you lots of stuff tomorrow on the show, including uh, we're going to be talking more about time tracking apps and if they actually help you work less. Plus, how the Christian right has embraced voter suppression. Well, that should be a a fun topic. That's on tomorrow's show. Plus, if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, who is talking about gaslighting yourself and what to do about that. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 